When I was a boy, I was taught that I should not lay my Bible upon the ground. Like the flag, I was always to place it upon something else. That book was a holy book, I was told. It contained the words of the holy God to his people. Hello folks, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is supported by your gifts, but it's brought to you out of the heart of two ministries. One is Church Partnership Evangelism, where I've been the executive director for over 30 years. We're a disciple-making ministry among the nations. To learn more, go to traincpe.org. The other ministry is the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, where I'm the Bible teacher, and this is the word we feed on. Today, we're going to consider what the Lord Jesus taught about the Bible. That lesson taught to me by my parents wasn't legalism. They explained that it was not a sin to lay the Bible on the ground, only they wanted me to learn to respect that book above all my other possessions. Our study today should go a long way towards helping you understand why it is that evangelical Christians have held the Bible in such a high and exalted place. Our title of our message is What Jesus Taught About the Bible. Um, The Christian believes that the Bible, comprised of 39 Old Testament books and 27 New Testament books, 66 books altogether, are inspired, that they constitute the very words of God to us. And as such, we believe that these books are without error because we believe God doesn't make any mistakes, that everything that God has said and everything that God has communicated under the force of the inspiring or outbreathing of His Spirit through the channel of, of human authors who wrote, recorded in those original manuscripts and the way that they wrote them down, recorded exactly what it was that God wanted to say without error. The primary reason that the Christian has this exalted view of this book that was written over a period of 1,500 years and by 40 different authors and has resided in this state for the last 2,000 years is because the Lord Jesus himself held the same high view of Scripture. Of course, when the Lord Jesus taught, 27 of these books had not yet been written. The New Testament came about as a result of Jesus' own teaching. And we should understand the New Testament as an embodiment of the fundamentals of the Lord Jesus' own personal instructions set forward by those that he instructed, the apostles. And they came to the knowledge of these things or retained the memory of all that he spoke by the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon them. So when the Lord Jesus referred to the scriptures, he was referencing those 39 books that we identify as the Old Testament. But his view of that word is our view of this word right here. The same view that the Lord Jesus had of the scriptures that he referenced is the view that we have of the scripture that we have before us now. The true Christian church in every age has held complete confidence and trust in everything recorded in the Bible to be faithful and trustworthy as the very words of God. The Christian's profession of faith is centrally located in the words of this book. It's our confidence that this word is inspired of God and so it is authoritative over our lives as nothing else is or ever could be. Again, we hold to this position because this is the position that the Lord Jesus held before us. This is the same attitude Christ had. In fact, the church would not have, the Christian church would not have a high view of Scripture if Christ did not have 
that high view of Scripture first. He is the one who has led us to this conclusion and to this position. Anyone who wishes to exalt the Lord Jesus as a supremely wise teacher or even exalt him as the ultimate truth and then diminishes the authority of this word over their lives must understand that they're not following the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus regarded the biblical text as the utterances of God the Father. So this morning what we're going to do is we're going to do a quick survey, kind of revealing what the Lord Jesus taught about the Bible or the Old Testament scriptures. And we're going to understand that if we confess that Jesus is our Lord and that he's the light of our lives, that we are required to approach the Bible in the same way that he did. We cannot live under his authority if we're not willing to live under the authority of this word. In fact, this approach to the Bible is foundational to anything that we might rightly call the Christian faith. This confidence, this foundational confidence in God's word. Here's the first thing I want you to see here, and we're going to make a number of points. So here's the first one. Jesus treated the accounts of the Old Testament as historical facts. Jesus treated the narratives of the Old Testament as historical facts. For example, Jesus will reference in his teaching Adam and Eve and their son Abel and Noah and Abraham and Moses and Isaac and Jacob and David and Solomon and Elijah and Elisha and many more. And he'll not reference those as myths, but as real people who lived and spoke and carried out real events in their life. He'll relate various historical accounts like the creation of the first man and woman or the murder of Abel or the ark and the flood in Noah's day or the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah or the salvation of Lot and the death of his wife or the manna that fell down from heaven to feed the nation of Israel as they wandered through the wilderness or Jonah being swallowed by a great fish or Daniel and all of his prophecies. And when he speaks of these things, he addresses them as historical facts, as historical counts. This is not a list, by the way, that's exhaustive. There's many more things that the Lord Jesus spoke, but what you find is when he referred to the Bible narratives, he always spoke them as historical facts, not as many who somehow want to glean wisdom from this word and occupy some Christian authority would suggest that these were merely myths that the Lord Jesus was fooled into locking into. In fact, it's a point of embarrassment for individuals who adhere to and say they're followers of the Lord Jesus and exalt him as this great master and teacher, and yet they don't adhere to the truth and the historical grounding of Scripture. It's an embarrassment to them that Jesus did, always did. Jesus went out of his way to authenticate passages that oftentimes are most questioned in our day. The garden creation of Adam and Eve, the flood of Genesis, Moses before the burning bush, the swallowing of Jonah and existing three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish. Certain scholars have over the past 150 years, for example, questioned the authorship of Moses and said that it's impossible that Moses wrote the first five books of the Pentateuch because there probably wasn't writing during that time and he wouldn't have had the sophistication to do it and Yet the Lord Jesus will repeatedly, when speaking to others, refer to those books as the books of Moses. He'll say things like, what did Moses command? Or Moses said, or Moses permitted, or Moses commanded, or have you not read of the book of Moses? And there he'll quote Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and 
Numbers and Deuteronomy. He'll quote them all. Some have even said, well, Moses may have read some of them, but he didn't write all of them. And the Lord Jesus actually referenced all of them. All of them. And he, he labels them all as the writings of Moses. Scholars have also suggested that Isaiah did not write all of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah may have written some of the first parts of it, but certainly not the middle parts. And, and the latter parts, they had to have been written by a congress of other individuals many years after because it's impossible that Isaiah would have had that insight and been able to see the things that took place and name the names that he named in his prophecies. Yet the Lord Jesus quotes Isaiah at the beginning of Isaiah and he quotes Isaiah in the middle of Isaiah and he quotes Isaiah in the latter parts of Isaiah. And in all of them, he says, Isaiah said. Isaiah the prophet declared. Jesus taught that Moses wrote the books of Moses. And that Isaiah wrote all the book of Isaiah. And all these references, it has to be noted as well, that the Lord Jesus wasn't commenting on past history in a distant storybook fashion. He spoke of history past to introduce us to its implications and its practical impact upon our present. He didn't speak of them as allegories to learn from, as myths that you allegorize for some portion of your life. These are not accounts of the Chronicle of Narnia. These are not allegories for the Christian life. He spoke about them as actual events from which we learn practical lessons. If anything, they weren't allegories, but they did typify truths and principles that we were to apply to our own life. And Paul follows the example of Christ in this. Paul, in teaching the Corinthians, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, will recount to the people in Corinth the story of Israel as they follow Moses and they're led by a great Shekinah cloud out of Egypt as God parts the waters of the Red Sea and they cross the waters of the Red Sea, as God feeds them manna in the midst of the wilderness, and as God opens up water for them out of a rock that they strike and they're able to drink from the water, Paul recounts all of those historical narratives and then Paul also speaks of the fact that in spite of these expressions of God's grace and God's salvation to the Israelites, they rebelled against God and as a result, God brought upon them three separate judgments and he references three specific judgments that are recorded in the book of Exodus and the book of Numbers. And those three events are one occasion in which they were engaged in sexual immorality, another place in which they engaged in idolatry, another place in which they began to grumble against God. And in each occasion, God sent a very unique judgment upon them. Paul references all those things. And then Paul makes this application in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11 and 12. Listen to his words. These things happened to them as examples. These things happened. They are not myths. They happened to them as examples and were written down as a warning for us on whom the culminations of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. The biblical narrative was actual history to be learned from as principle and type and not as mythology or analogy. The same way in which the Lord Jesus taught these things. Here's the second thing we see here. The Lord Jesus never spoke to deny or undermine any of the doctrines of the Old Testament. He never spoke to deny or undermine any of the doctrines of the Old Testament or teachings of the Old Testament. Instead, he spoke of them as having ultimate authority over those he taught. Jesus never, for example, corrected the Pharisees for what they taught that supported the clear and literal teaching of the Bible. When he confronted the Pharisees, he confronted them for adding a human element to the instruction of God's word and so diminishing the force and the power and the influence of that word. Not for 
not for what they believed about what God's word, but what they added to God's word, or at times what they taught that actually took away from the very intent and purpose of that word. And when they taught, for example, that they added all kinds of human traditions to the law of keeping the Sabbath. What did God say about keeping the Sabbath? Basically, the people were to rest. The Pharisees came along and began to dial into what it meant to rest, and it meant things like you couldn't spit on the ground because you would be watering your ground. There were all kinds of rules they began to implement and establish that were the tradition of men so that they took this thing, this command that God had given, that when followed would prove to be a great blessing to the people, and instead they made it a great burden to the people. It was a day and a command that God had given for the people, and instead they basically said the people were made for the day. It was the other way around. The day was made for the people. And Jesus confronted them and Jesus corrected them. On another occasion, they taught that a person was to honor their father and mother, but that they could actually deny giving their parents the proper care and honor that they deserved if they only would say that what the means they did have and what they might give to their father and mother, they might instead say was Corbin. That meant it's dedicated to God. And if they could say, now I dedicate this to God so I don't have to give it to my parents, they could remove themselves from giving the proper commanded honor to their parents. And so Jesus spoke against this and he condemned them for these kinds of traditions. Here's another one. You must join us in our next broadcast as we'll further illustrate how Christ never undermined the authority of Scripture but instead taught that it was the ultimate authority for all of us. Thanks for listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. I want to extend to you a welcome to join our worship every Sunday at 11 a.m. in the Old White Church at 1023 East State Street in the Warm Springs area of Boise. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links. Until the next time, may God bless you.